Glory to God. Praise God. I know we're not independent Baptists here, but when Brother Herman starts singing John the Revelator, I feel like running. I might have a little independent streak in me. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, we're going to continue in our study of the book of Revelation. And uh, I don't know who did it, but thank you for taking the Christmas tree down. You're motivating me to go home and do that myself this afternoon. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Lori took it down some time ago. <laughs> but uh, thank you for that. We're going to continue our study of the book of Revelation. We're actually beginning it, really, uh, Revelation proper today. And uh, we're going to do, deal with the prologue in chapter 1. Last week we did a little introduction. And uh, so you just pray for me today. I have studied until my head's about ready to explode. And so I want to make sure that I'm clear and concise with what I present to you today. And I just want to confess to you that I do not feel anywhere near adequate to teach this book, okay? So I just want to say that from the outset, so this is not me up here as a know-it-all, telling you everything the way it's supposed to be. I'm just confessing to you that I feel totally inadequate. And uh, so I'm dependent upon the Lord to help me and to take this seriously. And so uh, thank, you, thank you for embarking on this study with me. Uh, I think you're going to thoroughly enjoy it. I really do. Uh, when all is said and done, I think you're going to be so blessed uh, as we go through it. And we're just going to take our time. Now, I'm going to be real tedious today. I'm, I'm going to warn you ahead of time in this prologue because I think it's important that we kind of plod carefully through it. But uh, as we get beyond it, it, we'll pick up some steam. And some of these chapters will go pretty quickly. But uh, uh, nevertheless, <clears throat> let's... Uh, Let's get into it, but I'm going to ask Preacher Allen if he'll pray for me and pray for, our, pray for the reader and for the hearer and the heater. Thank you, brother. Our Heavenly Father, we realize, Lord, that it's a spiritual opportunity that we have to study your word. And we thank you, Lord, for that privilege. And we pray that you'd help us to pay attention. We pray that you'd bless the speaker. Use him, Lord, for your glory. And we pray that our whole church will receive a blessing out of this joyful study that we're beginning. Help us not only to begin this study, but help us to follow through. Yes. We pray that you bless our church, bless each one of us in our personal lives. Forgive us all of our sins. We rest in thy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. <clears throat> I appreciate he, he prayed that we would not only start this thing, but we'd be able to finish it. Because, you know. Sometimes we bite off more than we can chew. Okay, number one. Are we all there? The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel into his servant, John. Let's go to the first slide. Now, I brought this out last week, but I want to say it again. The word revelation means, uh, is Greek word is apocalypsis. And it means to unveil, okay? Now, some people don't want to read the book of Revelation because they say it's confusing, uh, all the symbolism and all that stuff. But the book of Revelation was not intended to confuse. It was intended to reveal. Think about a work of art, 
you, maybe you've seen a sculpture somewhere, uh, and it was covered over with a, a curtain or something. You ever seen that? Yeah. Or a work of art? <clears throat> and then they'll have a party or whatever, and they'll, ha- they'll call it the unveiling. And they'll unleash it, and everybody will have a round of applause. And, and th- think of the book of Revelation that, this way, that it's God's full panoramic view of the Word of God being unveiled for all of us to behold and to appreciate. It's a work to be appreciated. Now, this is different from the book of Daniel. How many of you remember the book of Daniel? We went through that together. Now, in Daniel 12, verse 9, God said unto Daniel, He says, Go your way, for the words are closed up and what? Sealed until the time of the end. The book of Revelation, however, is not sealed. Look at Revelation 22.10. It's up on the, the screen. He saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Why? The time is at hand. Now, when Daniel received his revelation, the time was not at hand. Number one, Jesus hadn't even been born yet in Daniel's day, let alone die on the cross and rise again. But now, the time is at hand because nothing else has to happen before Jesus returns for the church. Nothing else has to happen before Jesus returns for the church. Nothing. It's imminent. It's an imminent event. Now this book is written to encourage the saints, not to confuse or or discourage it. Now the revelation, the Bible says, of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, unto who? Is it John? Or is it Jesus? It's Jesus. The revelation that God gave unto Jesus Christ. Okay? And Jesus Christ then is going to give it to his angel... And then his angel is going to give it to John. But this, is, this revelation is from God the Father, first and foremost, to the Son. Now, remember when uh, some of you were here Wednesday night, we studied the parable of the fig tree, and no man knows the day or the hour, right? Jesus said not even the Son. But here we've got the, God, the Father has given the revelation to the Son, so I don't think the Son is, is in need of any information anymore. Uh, but but the, the revelation is what God gave unto him, unto Jesus Christ. So it's the revelation not of just only of his person, but it is his personal uh, revelation that God gave to him, which he will then disclose unto us. Thank God. And it shows unto his service. The word there is the Greek word doulos, which means uh, slave. We are his servants. The things which must shortly come to pass. We'll talk more about that here in just a moment. And he signified it by his angel. Now we're not told who the angel is. But angels were present when the, when the law was given. Uh, if you remember the book of Daniel. Daniel received message from angels, didn't he? There was one angel named by name in the book of Daniel. Remember what his name was? Well, there were two actually, but... Who was the one that gave Daniel the visions? Anybody remember? It was Gabriel. Now, is Gabriel here in Revelation 1? We don't know. We're not told. But this is not unprecedented. Uh, when the law was given, the Bible says that the, God gave the law through the mediation of angels. And he signified it by his, to his servant, John. Now, I like this. Uh, John is just known by his first name. Not John, the son of Zebedee, even though that's who he is. 
Not John the Apostle, even though that's who he is. But just John. I've often thought it'd be cool just to have one name. Like Cher, or Beyonce, or uh, Madonna, you know. John, what does that tell me? Now, pardon the expression here, because I'm, I'm being kind of crude here. That tells me John was a rock star in his day. I mean, he was well known to these churches. And he's, he's undoubtedly the author. John the Apostle is the author uh, of this book. <clears throat> Let's go to the next slide. Let's talk about this uh, phrase, shortly come to pass. It does not mean that it's going to happen within a few weeks. Because obviously it's been 2,000 years, right? Roughly. The, word, the Greek word there is in takos. It's where we get our word uh, tachometer from. And it, has t- it could mean two things. It could mean that when it happens, that it'll start ha- the things will unfold swiftly. And we know it will unfold within a period of, what, seven years. But it could also mean soon, uh, as in, uh, you know, uh, imminently. Because at, from God's perspective, 2,000 years is not a big deal. I've got that up on the screen here, Second Peter 3. A day is with the Lord as how long? And a thousand years is what? So from God's perspective, it's only been two days since he gave John that revelation. Amen? It's only been two days. And I think it helps us too to keep things in perspective. Because you have to remember, these churches are struggling. They're under tremendous persecution. And so, it's helpful to know that soon my troubles will be over. Amen? <laughs> I don't care what you're going through here today, and I'm, I'm sure that everybody in here is going through something. I mean, the law of averages tells me that. Maybe a health trial. Maybe an emotional trial. Maybe a financial trial. Maybe an issue in your marriage, your relationships. But whatever it is, I want you to understand that soon your trouble will be over. Soon it'll be over. Uh, Paul told the Romans, the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly to the Romans. <laughs> you know, the, I, does the devil give any of you a hard time? Let me ask you this. Have any of you had a rough week? I mean, it's been a devil of a week. Pardon the expression. For me. And I have to remind myself, you know what, devil... Soon, you're not going to have any more ability to mess with me. Soon, this is going to be over. And this is not escapism. This is just keeping things in perspective, folks. You've got to keep things in perspective. Because when your, your hard times come, they don't come to stay. They come to pass. Right, that's a word for somebody here today. Some of you are going through difficult times. Do you think, God, is it ever going to be over? Yes. And today might just be your day where God rolls that thing away, rolls that burden off of you. Now, verse 2 says that, God, that John bear record of the Word of God. The book of Revelation is God's Word. It is the inspired Word of God. Now, Martin Luther didn't like the book of Revelation. He thought it shouldn't be included in the Bible. Now, Martin Luther got it right on the Reformation but he got it wrong on the Revelation, big time. John Calvin, he wrote a commentary on almost every book of the Bible, except for one. Guess which one? <laughs> book of Revelation. 
He didn't have much use for it. And a lot of his contemporaries didn't. <clears throat> but it is the Word of God. Let's go to the next slide. And he says, Bear record of the Word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Now, testimony or witness is one of John's favorite words. In John 19, we read that John saw with his own eyes the soldier pierce Jesus through. And he saw his, the spear go in and blood and water came out. Now, notice what John says about that in verse 35, 19. He that saw it bear record, and his record is true. And knoweth that he saith true, that you might believe. He was the only one of the apostles that were there, by the way. And he got there late, but he got there. <laughs> Better late than never, amen. But he, re he bore record. This is one of John's favorite uh, phrases. And we can, we can take the testimony of John at its, at, to be truth. But it's also the testimony of who? Jesus Christ. I can believe Jesus. Amen? He said that the things in this book are going to happen, are going to happen, and I believe him. Let's go to uh, verse 3 now. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Or if I could say it this way, it's at the door. It's imminent. At any moment, the trumpet could sound. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Now for the believer, that's encouraging. Because I don't have one problem that the rapture wouldn't solve. But if you're not a believer in Christ, that's a terrifying thought. Because in one instant, you could be plunged into the tribulation period. To face the awful horrors of the tribulation. Now, let's go to the next slide. This is the first of seven Beatitudes in the book of Revelation. There's a blessing. There's seven of those. We'll, we'll mark them as we go along. Notice the book of Revelation is referred to as a prophecy. It's future events are foretold in advance. Now, the eminence of the events, the fact that it's at hand, underscores the need for hearing and obedience. James 1.22 says we're not supposed to be only hearers of the word, but to be what? Doers of the word. Now, the word read in verse 3 uh, means to read aloud. Revelation was meant to be read aloud. Now, I had a meeting uh, yesterday with several ministers and. One of the pastors knows that I'm going through the book of Revelation. He says, Henry, are you going to go through that whole thing? I said, yeah. And I could tell he didn't have confidence that I was going to be able to do it. But we're still friends. And uh, he said, you know what I'm going to do? I said, what? He said, I'm going to read the book of Revelation every week. He said, I'm not going to preach on it. He said, I'm just going to read it. He said, you know why I'm going to do that? Because the Bible says there's a blessing on everybody that hears it. And he says, my church could use a blessing. I believe this church could use one too. Amen. Amen. Blessed is he who reads it aloud. That's what the word means. 
and also those who hear and heed. It's not two different groups of people there. It's the same group of people. Those that hear it and those who obey it. You know, if you come here every week and you say, well, I'm going to listen to the preacher. I ain't going to do a doggone thing he says. <laughs> and some of y'all do that. I know that. <laughs> but if you do that, you're going to miss out on the blessing. Because the blessing is not just for the hearer, but for the heater. The one who says, all right, God, this is what your word says. I'm going to obey it. I'm going to obey it. For the time is at hand. Okay, let's go to uh, verse 4 now. John. To the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be to you. I love that. Maybe I should start every sermon that way. Grace be to you. And peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Let's go to the next slide. So John writes to the seven churches. Now were there only seven churches in Asia? Probably not. We know there weren't. But these, this number seven represents completion. So it's uh, the totality of all the churches. They're representative of every church. And if you notice to each church that he writes... He says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches, plural. Not just to the church individual, but to every church. So we can all learn from it. Paul also wrote to seven churches, didn't he? Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. I'm getting nervous. Colossians and one more, Thessalonians. Pretty cool, huh? Paul and Jesus write letters to seven churches. Now, Paul had to write to some of them twice because they were living so, so rough, right? <laughs> we won't go there. Uh, the Roman province of Asia Minor, when you, when you hear Asia and you read it here, don't think of China. This is modern-day Turkey, which is mostly Islamic now, by the way. Now, here's what I like. Notice the, the, the greeting begins with grace. The book of Revelation begins with grace. And if you get to the last verse of the book of Revelation, you'll read it again. <laughs> now, this book is filled with a lot of terrifying things, right? De devastation, destruction, catastrophe, death, plagues. And yet, we see that God is a loving and a gracious God. Don't you ever forget it. I'm here today because of the grace of God. You're here today because of the grace of God. The only way we're going to make it to heaven is by the grace of God. No man is saved by his works. You are saved by grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. Thank God for grace. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Just take a moment and praise him. Thank you, God, for grace. Thank you, God, that you didn't give me what I deserve. Hallelujah. You've given me abundant grace that I don't deserve. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Go ahead and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank God. Blessed be His holy name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. Mm. Every one of us in here is a trophy of grace. <laughs> one of these days, one of these days, one of these days, we're going to stand before Him blameless, <laughs> without spot, blemish or any such thing 
And I promise you, you won't do one thing but say glory to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Thank God for grace. Woo! Is your wood wet or is it dry this morning? I don't know. We're about to find out. Also, peace, Hebrew idea is shalom. It's wellness, it's wholeness of mind and being. The only way I can have peace with God, though, is if I've experienced the grace of God. If you're not saved, you don't have real peace. And that's why the world is desperately looking for peace. Did you know that? That's why they're in the bottle. That's why they're in the pills. That's why they're into drugs and, and sexual immorality and, and all this other. They're looking for some kind of peace. And they can't find it. Because the only way to have peace is to experience the grace of God. To be saved. Now these Christians were under tremendous persecution. They needed grace and peace. Don't read this book and think, oh, this, is, this book was just written for me. That's pretty narcissistic, you know. And that, but that's the way we approach the book of Revelation sometimes. Is we think this was just written for me living in the end times. No, this was for these guys too. And they were hurting. They were struggling. And they were being persecuted. The book of Revelation was intended to help them. But guess what? It's going to help you and me too. This book is largely practical. Very practical. The first greeting is from the Father. The one who is, which was, and is to come. Let's go to the next slide. I think that we're supposed to hearken back to Exodus chapter 3. And I've got it up here on the slide. But Moses, you know, God tells Moses, I'm ready for you to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. I'm paraphrasing this. I'm condensing it, right? <laughs> and Moses is like, you know, after he protests, he says, God, you got the wrong guy. But, but finally he says, all right, God, I'm going to go, but they're going to want to know who's sending me. Right? If, I, if I'm going to embark on a 40-year journey, and they didn't know it at the time, <laughs> I kind of need to know who's giving me my marching orders, right? And God says to Moses, you tell him, Hayah asher Hayah. I am. Y'all thought I was speaking in tongues. I was speaking Hebrew. I am that I am. Sent you. That verse is misquoted a lot in Revelation. We say he was and is and is to come. It says he is and was and is to come. If you're in trouble, you need to know God is, God is alive and well. I don't care what you're going through right now. God is right there with you. He's alive and well. God's not dead. They made a movie with that title. Actually, they made a couple, didn't they? They made a song about it too. God's not dead. He's alive. Now, now why do we hear about... He, why, we know He's in the now. But why does He say He's the God that was? I had a two-fold thought on this. Number one... I need to know God's taking care of my past. Because <laughs> I don't want it coming up again. How about you? Not my sordid past. <laughs> I, I don't want that to be brought up again. 
God's got my past taken care of. He's also got my past suffering accounted for. You see, my sins have been paid for, but my suffering is not lost. You see, if we suffer with him, we'll reign with him. But I also need to know that he's the God of tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. He's the God of my today, he's the God of my yesterday, and he's the God of my tomorrow. I can count on him. So you can take all your debates about free will and predestination and all that stuff, and I can debate both of them ad nauseum. I can do it. I can make a case for both of them because I think they're both true. But here's the issue. God is outside of our time domain. He's outside of it. And so anything we try to argue from a time-space domain, we're limited. How are we ever going to understand an infinite God with a finite mind? How about the next greeting? Also from the seven spirits, which are before his throne. Let's go to the next slide. Let's go to one more. Thank you. I believe this is from Zechariah. Chapter 4. Where we read about the seven lampstand uh, of God. How many churches are there? The Holy Spirit is in how many of them? All seven. <laughs> If you're a believer, the Holy Spirit is in you. I said, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit is in you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. The same Spirit that came on the day of Pentecost. The same Spirit that worked miracles through Peter, John, Paul. The same Holy Ghost dwells in you. And in that particular passage in Zechariah, God says it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my Spirit, says the Lord. The Holy Spirit makes all the difference. But also from Jesus Christ, verse 5. He's the faithful witness. The prince of the kings of the earth. First begotten of the dead, I'm sorry. And the prince of the kings of the earth. Let's go to the next slide. I think this is from Psalm 89. And I'm not going to give you all the, the verses there, but you can read them for yourself. Psalm 89. But let's think about this. Christ, he was a faithful witness. The word for witness is the Greek word martyrio. It's where we get our English word martyr from. Jesus was a faithful witness unto death. But the story didn't end there, did it? Because on that third day, he rose from the dead. Now, Jesus is not the first person that was ever uh, brought back to life. 
But he is the first one to ever have a glorified body, a resurrected body. And he is the firstborn from the dead, Colossians uh, 1 tells us, verse 18. That word firstborn carries with it the idea of preeminence. He is the first fruits of them that slept. He is the, uh, the preeminent resurrected one. What does it also say about him? He's the prince of the kings of the earth. <laughs> Means it doesn't matter who's in the White House. There's one that sits on the throne of God in the heavens. And he is sovereign over all. Now the end of verse 5 and verse 6 tells us some things that this, that this king of kings has done for us. He loved us. Now King James has got it in the past tense. Some other translations have it in the present tense. Both are true. God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ did what? He died for us. Jesus died for sinners. He didn't die for good people. You know why? Because there ain't none. I know you ain't supposed to say ain't. He died for sinners like me, like you. But he still loves us. You know, if you're a saved person here, God didn't stop loving you once you got saved. Read Romans 8 sometime. What shall separate me from the love of Christ? Anything? No. He washed me from my sins or freed me from them. How? With his own blood. Let's just sing that chorus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I can almost hear the angels singing with us, guys. Praise be unto God. Hallelujah. He loved us. He washed us from our sins, not ceremonially in water, but with his own blood. It cost him his life. What else did he do for us? The Bible says he has made us kings and priests. Mm, 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 mm. He has made us kings and priests. Let's go to the next slide. We don't have too many more. This is reminiscent of Exodus 19. When God met with the people at Mount Sinai. And he says to Israel, he says, you shall be a kingdom of what? Priests. And a holy nation. First Peter says that now the church has become a kingdom, a royal priesthood. What does a priest do? Anybody? Leads worship, goes, goes to the Father on behalf of others, represents God to the people, has access to God. Now in the Old Testament, you couldn't be a king and a priest. 
The only one was Melchizedek because he was the figure of Christ. In the Old Testament, you could, be, you could only be a king if you were from what tribe? King. Judah. And you had to be a descendant of David. To be a priest, you had to be from what tribe? Yeah, Levi. And you had to be from the family of who? Aaron. And you, could, you sure couldn't be both. But under the new covenant, we are a kingdom. We're kings and priests. <laughs> Look around the room this morning. Do a little exercise. Just twist your neck. Now, we've done this before. And try not to laugh. Let me get a drink of water because I know you're going to laugh. You just, you just looked at the future rulers of the universe. The future rulers of the world. You just looked at them. That's a scary thought, Brother Tyler. My goodness. Now, some of you, I look at you, I say, yeah, that's management material there. <laughs> but then I look in the mirror and I say, are you kidding me? <laughs> We're a kingdom of priests. Now, under the old covenant, the priest had limited access to God. Did you know that? Only the high priest could go into the presence of God. And he could only do it one time a year. But you and I can go to God 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. You don't have to wait till you get to church. Matter of fact, you better not wait till you get here to pray. You better be praying from the time your feet hit the ground. Or before it, actually. Lord, please help me to get my feet out of this bed and on the floor. <laughs> Anybody know that prayer? I prayed that one. He's made us kings and priests unto to God. And notice in Revelation 5, 6, it says His Father. Not our Father, but His Father. Now, He is our Father. But the point is... You can only be related to God by virtue of the Son. The only way, there are not many ways to God. Let me say that again. Y'all didn't seem convinced. There are not many ways to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. That's it. What about the sincere Muslims? There's only one way. His name is Jesus. Now notice at the end of verse 6, we move from theology to doxology. The word doxa is the word for glory in the Greek. Let's move to the next slide. Yeah, thank you. Notice when John got to thinking about what was going on, when he received this revelation and he starts talking about God and everything God has done for him, he cannot help but say glory. I want you to just sit and meditate for a moment about everything God's done for you as individuals. It's amazing, isn't it? Some people say, what's God ever done for me? Well, if you're saved, man... Everything. But we just read that he saved us. He loves us. He made us kings and priests. And John says, I, can't, I just can't sit still. 
Your theology ought to move you to doxology. Worship. Glory. And honor. Something interesting. God showed me this this morning. Not a moment too soon. Notice John says, to him be glory and, what's that other word there? Dominion. For how long? Forever and ever. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, go look and see the first time dominion is mentioned in the Bible. Because you got the first mention and then here at the end. Who was told to have dominion first and foremost? Adam. Did Adam keep it? He lost it. When Noah repopulated the earth, God told Noah a lot of similar things, but he did not tell him to take dominion, did he? Because Adam had lost it. Guess who got it back for us? Jesus Christ. <laughs> he's the, that's why he's called the last Adam. Hmm. All right. And he says, amen, uh, at the end of verse 6. Amen is not just a churchy word. It's a Bible word. Amen? <laughs> Good. Verse 7. Behold, he comes with clouds. And how many eyes are going to see him? Every eye shall see him. And they which pierced him. And all the kindreds of the earth shall well because of him. Even so. Amen. Um, Daniel... Verse uh, Daniel 7, verse 13, tells us that the Son of Man is coming with the clouds of heaven. Let's go to the next slide. Let's go to the next one. Zechariah 12 says that they're going to mourn for the one they've pierced. Oh, my. Why are they going to mourn? They're going to realize, they're going to see the, the nail-scarred hands and the side that was pierced. And they're going to say, where did you get these wounds? And they're going to realize that their ancestors crucified their Messiah. And Israel is going to mourn as one mourns for an only son. Now, this is a morning of repentance here. Now, the world is also going to mourn. Remember, uh, John says, every eye shall see him. Now, um, when he was born, he was born in obscurity, wasn't he? I mean, nobody saw him except the, the shepherds and magi. But now every eye is going to see him and those that pierced him. He's coming in power and in great glory. Every eye will see him, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every eye is going to see him. You know, up until now, only loving eyes have seen Jesus. Did you know that? After he rose from the dead? When he rose from the dead, he didn't appear to Pilate. He didn't appear to the Romans. He only appeared to those that love him. That's why I believe the rapture of the church is separate from the second coming. I don't believe I'm going to meet Jesus at the same time his enemies do. 
because I'm his bride. <laughs> and we're not going to mix our motifs here with a battle with a bride, you know, at a wedding. All kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Now, why is the world going to be crying? Because the jig is up, my friend. <laughs> uh, when Jesus Christ comes back the second time, He's not coming back to die on a cross. He's not coming to serve. He's coming to rule and to reign. Amen. All right, last slide. Verse 8. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is, come, which is to come, the Almighty. He's A to Z, guys. By the way, this is seven of the I am statements of Book of Revelation. Neat little thing there. There's seven Beatitudes. There's also seven I am's uh, in the book of Revelation. This is the first one. It would be the equivalent of us saying, I'm A to Z and everything in between. The first time this is used is in Genesis 17. And Abraham was 90, uh, 99 years old. And God said to him, I'm El Shaddai. I'm the all-powerful one. I'm almighty. Now, in Abraham's case, what was Abraham's biggest obstacle he had to overcome? He was, he was almost 100 years old, and he, he, he needs to have a baby, or he needs Sarah to. That's a problem. That's a problem, right? Now, some of you might not think that's a problem. I don't know. But it's a problem. If you want a baby at 99. <laughs> I'm not going to get childish here. I, I could really get corny, but I'm not. But God says, look, nothing's too hard for me. I'm El Shaddai. I'm God Almighty. So let me ask you today. What is your problem? What is your issue? What, what is it? We've all got them. We all do. Now put that side by side with your God. And measure your problem in comparison with your God. And I promise you, your God's so much bigger than any problem you have. He's El Shaddai. He is, in the New Testament terms, the Almighty. Alpha and Omega. Would you stand? We've just gone through the prologue this morning. And it's rather marvelous, I think, as we look at who God is in all of His majesty and all of His splendor. And we look at everything that He's done for us. And how can we not be moved to praise? How can we not be moved to worship and adore Him? Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin and for my sin. He was placed in a borrowed tomb and he rose again the third day. And he is 
the Son of God. He is God's final revelation to humanity. He's the only way to heaven. If you've not received Him as Lord and Savior, I invite you to come to this altar and come receive Him just as you are, but He won't leave you that way. All things will become new. And you ask Him to become your Lord and for the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of you. Maybe you're a Christian here today. You've been lukewarm. You've been playing games. You've been playing church. But you need to be reminded that, hey, the time is at hand, folks. God is coming back. Jesus is coming back soon. We don't know the day or the hour, but we know it's imminent. It could be at any moment. And if he comes, how is he going to find you? And how is he going to find me? And if things are not as they should be, this altar is open for each and every one of us. Maybe you've got a loved one that's not saved. Maybe you just want to come here and lift their name up to the Father. And say, God, please take the veil off of their eyes and save them before it's too late because the time is at hand. Would you come?